This is the Movie Hall of Fame for Thursday, January 23rd, 2020, Class of 1981 edition. Yeah. Thanks for the affirmation. I appreciate that. No. Okay. (laughs) Very well. (laughs) Just a fault to know on everything. Yes. That is sort of uh, how we operate on this podcast. (laughs) I don't know how I operate on this podcast, really. Um. You, you, That's up to you to decide. No, it's not. It's for the listener. I guess it's for it's America. True. For America. It's for the iTunes uh, <laughs> audience <laughs> to decide how you perform on this podcast. We're, we our audience has grown that large, huh? I guess. Yeah. Nick just tweeted us. He's like, "Yo, I just checked the stats, and I'm so impressed." Really? I don't know. Are they growing? Are we getting big? Did you see the group chat? No. 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 Well, we're both on it. No. I know that, but... You Zach know, so- Caponegro made a triumphant return to the group chat this week. Like a bastard. I mean, that slick motherfucker <laughs> just came in out of nowhere. What was that? What was that layup? I mean, holy shit. It, it was incredible. It's when you think your buddy is like drunk off his ass and knocked out in the corner mm-hmm. during a party, and so you start talking shit about him, but really he was awake the entire time. Yeah. That's what happened here. We were just talking about Zach... And all of a sudden, off the top rope, here comes Zach after like seven months. Like, like completely blindsided. And it, it, the way he went about it, too, was just like, no, I'm actually here. It's just, you know. Uh, I've uh, just chosen to ignore yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, what a dick. <laughs> seven like, months radio silence. It's like, well, you know, I only got the update because Nick added me. So, of course, I'm going to respond. It's like, what? I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe you. I think you're reading everything you get. Mm-hmm. And... Perhaps some has some uh, salacious photos of us that he doesn't want to share. Well, <laughs> very we, creeped out by Zach these days. We have very salacious photos of him without a beard, so there's also that. Oh, those are sexy as fuck. Yeah, dude. they are. Those are hot. Yummy. <laughs> uh, let's talk 1981. Yeah, shall we? The six movies nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame are Chariots of Fire, An American Werewolf in London, My Dinner with Andre. Escape from New York, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a cool year. It is a cool year. I I was having trouble with it, though. Um, (laughs) Like squaring it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the case with the 80s, right? Well, what do you mean? Like, like just generally with our list, you have trouble, like, figuring out what's actually the best one? Yes. Okay. And they're very hot and cold. 81 is a weird year, I think. It's a weird period in American history where... Culture was not as neatly defined as I think it once was. <laughs> in like the 70s? Well, yeah, a lot, a lot certainly of, cinema. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things had, but I think a lot of things had changed about cinema in the 70s and maybe they were sort of settling out in the 80s. Yeah. I guess. I mean, 80s is as equally soft as it is explosive. I think that's a good way of putting it. So, yeah, yeah I like that. Put that on a t shirt. I will. <laughs> that's pretty good. There you go. Yeah, I mean, Reagan administration, you have that going on, but then you also have the studio system sort of rebelling against the auteurs. Yeah. And imposing their will. And so you have a lot more mainstream entertainment, but then you also have a lot of schlocky, cheap grindhouse stuff. I know. This is the stuff that the people like me just love. We right. eat this shit up. Yeah. E- even though I wouldn't say that I'm like. Like, the 80s is far from my favorite year in cinema yeah. for those reasons, because it's so messy in those ways. But, I mean, I get, you know, I guess it's the same as any other decade. When it's good, it's, like, really, really good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, highest grossing movie of 1981, of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark, followed by On Golden Pond, Superman 2, Arthur, 
and Stripes run uh, rounds out the top five. Winner of Best Picture that year amongst a list of Reds, Raiders of the Lost Ark on Golden Pond, and Atlantic City is Chariots of Fire. We'll talk about that in a second. Warren Beatty wins Best Director for Reds. Henry Fonda wins Best Actor for On Golden Pond. Catherine Hepburn wins Best Actress for that same movie. John Goidel? 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 Gilgood? Gilgood? Pronounce that name for me. You're better with this shit. Where is the it? The butler from Arthur. <laughs> the butler from Arthur? Wins Best Supporting Actor. Oh. Best Supporting. There it is. Oh. Arthur Batoigolois. Goidel? Doigle. Doigolois. These names. John Gilgood. Pretty good. Good job. Good job by you. <laughs> uh, and, and Maureen Stapleton wins Best Supporting Actress for Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, Never seen Reds. Nor have I. Hmm. Maybe we should have made ourselves watch it. It sounds like it's pretty good. I don't know. Actually, I have a number of films that I think we should have forced ourselves to watch this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, above one that we did, and we'll talk in a second. Here are some honorable mentions. Arthur, I mentioned The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't want this one. Well, I already did the first one. I did yeah. the Muppet movie. Yeah, but you are an, an indulgent fuck. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> I do overindulge, especially in Kermit the fuck. I, know. Ooh, I don't want <laughs> Like Miss Piggy. Uh, you know, you could have given me Das Boot. I've never seen it, but it's like five hours long, and I think that would have felt shorter than one of the movies we're talking about today. <laughs> Not true. Okay. Because I've seen Das Boot. Uh, you have. Yeah. And it's very good. Very good. It's like a miniseries, though, basically, right? Yeah, it yeah. It feels like a miniseries. It's not like that long. It's not like like excruciatingly long, but it's uh, it's enough where it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like putting the Irishman for shame yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, you could watch both seasons of Fleabag in the time you can watch <laughs> Das Boot. I love the the units of measurement you use to, right. to, to talk about film. You just stack it next to television. Yeah. Seasons, it's entire flea bags long. You could watch pretty much all of the Mandalorian. How about that? Yeah, definitely could. <laughs> could watch the episode with Bill Burr in it like four times. <laughs> Excellent episode, by the way. I'm on episode six. Oh, uh, wait till I'm wait a, till a, old Freckles gets there. Oh boy. It, wait, it, episode six. I think he's in. I think that's the next one you got. I don't think so. I don't. Maybe I, I haven't. Oh, okay. I don't think I've watched episodes. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on it. So old Freckles. Yeah. Just old freckles, space Boston. Does he call? Is that's? It's like, what a strange casting choice. I mean, for God's sakes, nothing strange about it. No, Bill Burr does not belong in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Does friggin' Lando Calrissian belong in the Star Wars universe? Yes. Really, Billy D. Williams? Yes. Screams galaxy far, far away to you. <laughs> not. I mean, r- the accents have always been a weird thing. Yeah, not in the Rise of Skywalker. But cer- yeah, certainly an empire. Certainly not. Doesn't belong in that. <laughs> um, on Golden Pond, we mentioned. Okay, so here's my point, right? I'm going to list a bunch of movies that are directed by some very interesting people. And mm-hmm. we could have had some very interesting conversations yeah. about those directors. Sure. Instead, we settled for one of these fucking movies. Okay, here's what we Ooh, got. Oh, wow. Oh, you're seething. Here's what we passed up on. Absence of Malice, Sidney Pollack movie. Mm-hmm. Reds, Warren Beatty. Blowout, Brian De Palma. Which we talked about scanners could have had a nice david cronenberg conversation have you seen scanners no i could have made me watch it though stripes ivan reitman uh i know we talk mel brooks a lot but we could have talked history of the world part one mm-hmm. 
Uh, could it talk Sam Raimi with the first Evil Dead? Yes, and this is uh, yeah, this yeah. Could it talk Terry Gilliam with Time Bandits? By the way, rest in peace uh, to uh, Terry Jones today, right? Terry Jones died. died what today? Yeah, sorry, sorry to break that what? news what? to you on podcast. What he died? Yeah. Oh, oh no. Rest in peace. Oh God! And I just brought this pod to a screeching halt. Oh, what, what, you just derailed this entire thing. You um, didn't. Oh. Yeah, Terry Jones died today. I gotta look this up. What you don't want? You don't trust me? No. You need confirmation? <laughs> yeah, I do. Do you need to see the body? You got to feel the pulse? That would be preferable, but <laughs> I, I'm not going to be so lucky. Oh, fuck. You're right. He's dead. 76, right? Damn. Oh, that sucks. Okay. Uh, could have talked Lawrence Kasdan with Body Heat. Body Heat came out that year. Mm-hmm. And could have talked Michael Mann, his first movie, Thief. Yeah. Came no. out in 81. There were, yes. And <laughs> we'll get into our thoughts on this first film. What I will say is that there are many options that would have made for a much more thoughtful and intriguing conversation. Yes. Much more fruitful. So again, any of those conversations should have been had, but instead, chariots of fucking fire. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I knew exactly what you were going to think. Holy shit. (laughs) Directed by Hugh Hudson. You ever heard that name? No. Nor has America. Starring Ben Cross, Ian Charleston, and Ian Holm. Winner, best picture, best original screenplay, best costume design, and best original score. Nominated for best supporting actor, best director, and best film editing. Two British track athletes, one a determined Jew and the other a devout Christian, compete in the 1924 Olympics. (laughs) The British Film Institute named it the 19th greatest British film of all time. Yeah. What were they smoking in jolly old England when they made this list? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> we gotta get to our thoughts on this this is funny to me because <laughs> you hated this fucking movie again so much interesting cinema in 1981 and i blame myself i think i'm the one that yeah, nominated you're the one who it. Said, yeah let's do the best picture winner uh, dude I, I this movie broke me last night what? this movie fucking broke <laughs> what me are you talking about it was midnight i turned this thing on and i'm like when will this end it took like four hours to get through a two-hour movie okay go, go on you want to know the biggest evidence for racism i've ever seen what is the fact that this movie got made before the jesse owens movie (laughs) it took to like 2015 for them to make a movie about jesse owens and in 1981 not only did they make a movie about two random white guys competing in the olympics but they gave it the best picture trophy (laughs) what the hell okay why is this story remarkable why do i give a shit i don't know but these two guys that go to cambridge because it's a lesser known story and they you know they lesser known it should remain lesser known <laughs> and they did they were really incredible runners and they wanted to make a movie about them this is not worthy of a this american life episode <laughs> i would barely tell this around a campfire that's how boring this fucking story is who gives a shit <laughs> like is the religious stuff even that prominent in the movie like the religious discrimination that the jewish guy faces I don't think that's the concern of the movie. Or the it's, rabid it's, Catholicism of the other guy. Who cares? It's, well, it's more the conceit of those characters than anybody else around them. You know. Dude, I, it's so fucking boring. I didn't this movie it. is so dull. I didn't hate it. You didn't hate it? No. I kinda, I'm surprised. kind of liked it. Really? It's not worthy of best picture. Not um, even close. But it's good. You really thought this movie was good? Yeah. Yeah. I... I, I 
it's one of those like weird flatlining films that like checks off all the boxes and does pretty much everything correct, but doesn't do anything re- all that remarkable aside from a moment here and there. And I guess we'll get into that. But yeah, I just kind of was like, yeah, that was good. You know, it's not something I ever want to see again. But, you know, I, I enjoyed myself enough. You know, it's like English to a fault. Oh, yeah. I have never seen a movie so up its own ass with the English isms. I mean, and I knew you weren't going to like this because I was just sitting back like, whoa, they actually said tea and crumpets. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But, like, Nico's going to fucking hate this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, it the, the saving grace is for me. I love the cinematography. Okay. Uh, I think the music is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I, I like these performances a lot. It's, you do? It, yeah, it's one. Of, I mean, I, it sort of reminded me why I like movies of this era. It kind of reminded me of a film that would have come out in the seventies, where they're just sort of a natural charisma to these actors. You found them charismatic. Mm-hmm. I found them so dull. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Man, I'm not really pushing out like back against this one because, like I said, it's not really a movie I I love. But yeah, as far as like the the filmmaking is not bad. There's I I mean, you could probably criticize the amount of uses of slow-mo which 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 are very like mixed for me there are times where it's like okay calm down with it and then other times where i think it's actually really brilliantly used um i i particularly like it in the scene where um uh harold is is going up for his medal you know towards the end of the film and i'm shocked you remember his name i don't i i watched it less than 24 hours ago i don't remember what these characters were named uh harold uh abrams and eric little okay yeah uh but there's there's a really good use of slow-mo in like when he's getting up to the plate and that entire sequence is in slow motion and it sort of builds and builds as it sort of naturally does when you go into any kind of sporting event the build up to the actual race is much more significant than the race itself so when they actually cut to the race happening it's like this wide shot and we just see them going down the track at normal speed and i was like oh that was clever i like that and it's a nice satisfying conclusion for that character and i sort of like the interplay and in the way the film is structured uh around both of those characters to give you an illustration of what winning means to Harold versus what it means to Eric. I like that stuff. Um, it's just the, the, the connective tissue is just so uninteresting. So painfully dull. This is what I'm talking about when I, 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 again, better than the dark Knight. but do you see like when I'm talking about connective tissue, just being totally out there for me? Yeah. Not interesting. This is one of those. Okay. I, Fair. I accept that premise, but I don't accept that the set pieces in this movie were all that interesting. I mean, you have the beginning at the beach, which is the problem. Here's the problem with that scene. It's become so parodied <laughs> yeah. that now I can't watch that with that cheesy music and not think Jerry racing his old high school rival in Seinfeld. It's only, <laughs> you know, he races his old rival to the Superman theme. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. What? Well, what? Then what uses the? There's a scene in Seinfeld that uses that score. I don't remember what. Maybe. It is. I mean, everything. Uses oh, you're right. Because he goes, "All right, Lois," and he yeah. winks at the camera. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I will, Lois. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. No, it's it's funny when I when I turned the movie on, and because I'd never seen any clips from this movie aside from that opening. That yeah. is literally the only thing I saw of, of the movie. So, uh, when I started it, there was a crazy Adam started 
going. <laughs> and there was, there was a tiny, tiny bit of me that was convincing me, like, is this just going to be two hours of guys running on the beach with that music? Because <laughs> that's all I've ever seen from the movie. Right. There's a, <laughs> I was like, please let this movie just be that. Right. And then I realized, oh, there's more movie to it. <laughs> not much more movie, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> It's not bad Dude, at it's all. It's so fucking boring. I knew I knew, I knew instantly. It's like the very next scene I'm like Nico's going to find this reprehensible <laughs> and the, the he, he, all he's going to say is boring, 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 <laughs> boring and I'm like I get it. No, and I I don't blame you. It it, it had silly me thinking the Oscars actually knew what they were talking about. I know we've been burned on this in the past. I get it. Yeah. But dude, <laughs> Like, how can you look at yourself in the mirror giving this thing best picture? Like, it's so reductive. How do you watch this movie? In fact, if you're Hugh Hudson and you've been studying film your entire life, yeah. how is this the movie that you're remembered by? You know? I think of, like, Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights all the time. Like, that guy had more artistic integrity than Hugh Hudson. Mm-hmm. who's just like, I'm going to make the most trite, run-of-the-mill British sports drama about a subject that no one really cares about. No one will ever retell this story through prose. I mean, this is the only time we're going to hear the words little and what's the other guy's name? Abram? I would disagree with that. I mean, they're very, very, very established and famous runners <laughs> to, the, to those who are, you know, at least interested in the sport. They're, they're quite famous. What is so cinematic about this story, though? I don't know, man. Like, what begs to be... When I think... Of making like when you're making your magnus opus you're a director that has studied film you want to do this you dream of winning an academy award Mm -hmm. what about this story begs to be told i always think to myself if you're going to make one movie that story better just be begging to be put on the screen Mm -hmm. and i just don't see it here i see like a, a sort of uh a cynical cash grab on the part of the studio that's chasing the Oscar. And I know this is always the case. And even in 2019, there are movies that we call quote unquote Oscar bait. Mm-hmm. But in 1981, this is so transparently a movie that was designed to win Best Picture and Warner Brothers got what they wanted. And I just don't see anybody that was involved in this having a personal attachment to the material. And I, I yeah. find that very icky. I don't know. It's hard for me to buy into that because we were not around in 1981. It just seems like such Oscar bait, it's, though. It's t- today, I don't know if, if that's necessarily the case back then. I'm sure there was campaigning going on. Well, yeah, as there would be for any movie. But, I mean, y- you know, they, they went on and they also nominated like Raiders of the Lost Ark and whatnot. They did, and they so. didn't give it the win. No, which they should have. But how do you watch those two movies and think they're even in the same category? Because the the voting uh, commission is very old, and this is a good old person. Their movie. average age, I think I've heard this once, average age is 85 to dead. That's their <laughs> average age of the Oscar voter. <sighs> no, see, I would disagree, because I find the way they tell this, again... It for if it's a sports movie and it's very very small and personal next to like other ones. I mean, I mean it's a sports movie without any of the charm of a sports movie though. I don't know, I don't know. Like Rocky is charming. Yes, yes. Rocky can be cliche, but it's fucking charming. Yeah, but again, it's only cliche because of the the the, the nature of movies now. I guess I'm not sure if I would have called called it totally cliche back then. That's fair. Yeah, and that's you can't hold the opening scene. No, against the movie for that reason. No, exa- and I'm not. I would never do that. And I, I just wonder if you know it, it. This is just one of those movies that hasn't aged well because of how pop culture took this movie and ran with it. No pun intended. I don't think it's bad at all. It's perfectly fine. 
And I like I actually enjoy the way they tell this story. Even and I liked it because I didn't know as much about it. You know? And I guess that's the ultimate effect. <sighs> Why do these two people hate each other, by the way? I don't think they do. What they, but they're like, yeah, time to get revenge on a rival. And no, the newspaper's like playing it up. He never says that. He does. He goes, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my chance at redemption. He doesn't say he's going to get revenge on the guy. Well, I forget exactly what the word was, but yeah, there's an no, implication that the two are rivals and they're competing not, against each other, not, although they're under the same flag. That's a specific they line never from actually, the movie. They never actually compete against each other. They I do know, but the line from the movie is two rivals competing under the same flag. Was that a media story, though? I just don't get what the there, rivalry is. There is no rivalry. Is, the no, ki- no, no, the, no, no. You're wrong about that. There are several references to this being a rivalry. Mm, I just watched the movie. I didn't and, see that. <laughs> I watched it last night, dude. There's definitely a mention of that. No, the only time they, they f- sort of like little doesn't feel that at all. I mean, no, but Abram like he loses that first race. Yeah. Abram's, which is another painful scene with the girlfriend. They're sitting yeah. on the bleachers, and he's like, "I don't race to lose." I, I race to win. Yeah. No shit, man. Yeah. No one does anything to lose. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a great scene. Terrible. And the romance that just shoved in romance. I know it's so 80s, but the worst thing about the movie is the relationship with those two characters and that Montague guy. Yeah. I was like, what is what is his significance in this movie? What is he even doing here? You could cut him out and it would make no difference. Well, they set him up to sort of be a point of view yeah, character at exactly. the beginning, but they don't do anything. Yeah, they but, just drop it after 20 minutes. Yeah, that's one of the worst elements of the film by far. It's the only thing that stuck out to me is like poorly done. So. I fucking hate this movie. I'm never I I'm happy to never think about it again. It's just in and out of my brain. Man, the Oscars you see that all the time and it's so frustrating. I'm but I'm trying to separate I don't care about the I'm not I know you I'm don't. not trying to talk about this movie relative to the Oscars. It's the only reason why we're talking about it today. I know, though. but we're not in 1981 anymore. We're in 2020, so I'm just trying to take the movie as it is. And this movie does not hold up. By the way, I I've added a new thing to my notes. You can stream this thing on HBO if you are so inclined. I'm going to do that with every movie yep. where you can watch it. Uh, I would recommend staying as far away from this one as humanly possible. No, watch it if you want. It's a good movie. It's just, you know, as it aged perfectly, no. But, you know, there are many, many good qualities about it. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Fucking Brits, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the Engli- Oh, my God. The fucking English shit in this Make movie. Make the Jesse Owens movie. <laughs> Make a good Jesse Owens movie. Like, that is about as cinematic a sports event as you can They've made of. a Jesse Owens movie. I know. They did recently. Yeah. But again, that took 30 years in between Chariots of Fire and that. Yeah. I don't Jesse Owens happened in 34. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Won the gold medal in front of Hitler as a black man. Yeah. Who cares about this guy who doesn't want to run on the Sabbath? Get the hell out of here, man. Who cares? Who cares about any of Woody Allen's antics? <laughs> I'm going to just gloss over that comment. <laughs> Who cares about any of Woody Allen? Like, you're talking about a little story. You love your little story. No, no, yeah, no, no. So, of course, I love a little story because they can be often compelling if they focus on the intimate details of the characters' lives. I think they do, this that. One, think they do that in this one. This one expects me to look at a bunch of white men running on a beach and think, wow, the greatness of British athletics. <laughs> And I say yawn, sir. I say yawn. Now, Moving you, on. You go to Moving a- on. Not like the human spirit. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> That's a strange criticism. An American Werewolf in London. Okay, yes. Let's talk about another English-ish movie. <laughs> Written and directed by John Landis, mm-hmm. 
who, by the way, after making this movie, uh, was uh, phoned by Michael Jackson, who was a big fan of it, and said, hey, why don't you direct this music video I'm working on mm-hmm. called Thriller. I know. So there you go. Cool. Well, tidbit for you. Starring David Naughton and Griffin Dunn. Nice to see Griffin Dunn again. Yeah. Love Griffin Dunn. <laughs> I love him in this. <laughs> love me some Griffin Dunn. Winner of Best Makeup at the Academy Awards. For- First time ever, by the way. Thanks for stepping on my bit. Yeah. Yeah. First time ever. Rick Baker. Uh, yep. Rick. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so proud of myself. Did all this research and you're just pulling it out of your ass. It's a movie that I probably love more than you. So it's okay. Uh, two American college students on a walking tour of Britain are attacked by a werewolf that none of the locals will admit exists. Uh, I just watched this movie today. I put it off. You accuse me often of putting off movies that I am not into movies that are not exactly my cup of tea to borrow another British phrase. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Thank you. Thank fucking God. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I enjoyed it more than most of these schlocky genre picks that you assigned to me. Yeah, I know. Um, Night of the Living Dead. What's that movie called? Or Return of the Living Return Dead. of the Living Dead is one of them that I just didn't understand. Um, this one I thought was super fun and super inventive Mm -hmm. and it may just be a collection of exciting set pieces and that's it. But I really don't care because I found those set pieces to be breathtaking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the performances, especially from Griffin Dunn. I think he's just hysterical (laughs) as the decaying body that comes back and haunts his best friend after being mauled by a werewolf. Uh Uh, It's a story you've seen before because it's been done to death. Mm -hmm. Wolfman, um, is nothing new to the Hollywood landscape. But my God, I don't think I've ever seen it done like this. No, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. Really enjoyed it. How have you not seen this movie? Thoroughly enjoyed it. Classic, iconic. Everyone loves this movie. Yes. And you're like, nah, it's a werewolf movie. I'm not going to watch it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. It... I got to watch Squid and the Whale for the oh fourth God, time. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> I see this movie like twice a year. Okay. Yeah, I I I love 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 this movie, and I loved. I knew I knew immediately as soon as I saw it that it's like like one of those instant favorites of mine, and a lot of that is because of how it treats the genre, and and it's its own uh, type of film and being a werewolf film, and that it there is an there is an interesting understanding of it, but. It, it's again. It's like one of the reasons this movie works so well is because it understands the fact that it is a werewolf film, and it kind of respects that. But mm-hmm. it it understands exactly how to play with it. Oh yeah, and to even comment on it sometimes. It is comedy horror at its finest. Finest. Yeah. This is my favorite uh, comedy horror next to maybe Evil Dead Two. Yeah. It's, it's it's kind of up in the air, but yeah. I I there's not much about this film that I dislike, and a lot of that is just due to you know these incredible set pieces and. You know, and I, I, I think this movie sometimes gets a bad, I mean, not a bad rep, but I, I, I actually find it oddly moving. <laughs> There's something about the, 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 the normality of David's character that I kind of relate to. And maybe this is one of the reasons why this is maybe my favorite werewolf m- film is because when you put it in more of a modern setting and you sort of take him as he is, it's like, I, I feel this guy's plight much more than Lawrence in the Wolfman or something. No, I think the characters here are actually pretty vividly drawn. Yeah. Especially exactly. in the relationship. And you only get 15 minutes of it. Spoiler yep. alert. Griffin Dunn gets murdered in the first 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yep. Um, but their little banter as they're walking down the road, backpacking in London is just really charming. Yeah, exactly. And you grow to like these characters a lot. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it all the more sad when shit goes down to them. Oh yeah. And that, that carries over to his relationship with the, the girl who names always, always, she always escapes me, but I, uh-huh. I love her. 
I yeah, love her no, she's that. she's very good. Yeah, in hot that, nurse, a little yeah. um, you know, and they're oh, <laughs> unrealistic. <laughs> Whatever. There was a movie about wolfmen. I'm not sure like the hot nurse would ever uh, go out with a patient after he was nursed for. You ever heard werewolf of, wounds? You ever heard of Florence Nightingale? Yeah, no, I. <laughs> <laughs> was Florence Nightingale a looker? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, she was into hairy wolfmen, from what I understand. That would not surprise me. No. Regardless. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> love that. Love the scenes of them together and the scene where she has to feed him because he's being stubborn. Just little stuff like that. I yeah. think John Landis does a good job at writing scenes like that. I've, oh, I've, yeah. I've never had an issue with him in that way. And um, uh, can't go without saying the special effects in this movie are astounding. The makeup is, yeah, incredible. That transformation scene is, again, everyone knows that scene. And one of the things I love so much about that scene is the way it's lit. Yeah. More often than... Uh, uh, Another film came out that year called The Howling, which is directed by Joe Dante, and Rob Bottin did the special effects on that, and they're very, very good, but it's shot kind of in, in shadow, and you don't see everything as clearly, but I mean, you, you can still make out what's happening, but it's not as clearly defined and obvious, right. and something that makes that scene so horrifying is that it, sh- it looks like the room we're in now. Yeah. It's that same kind of flat, even lighting, and you're just supposed to sit there and, and just contend with the fact that this guy is deforming and changing into something monstrous. Well, there's like a Bobby Vuitton song playing in the background. I, it's too right yeah exactly it's like very just grandma's living room mm-hmm. type thing and it's another instance where the way it's edited together is so smart where it constantly revealing like a new change and yeah. everything is slightly askew from the last shot and it's just like every almost everything about that scene works for me yeah <laughs> and fr- from how he reacts to to the the full moon and how sudden it is and just like it because you go from like dude what are you doing to like, holy shit oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's great it's it's remarkable um and it's also kind of played for laughs it's both grotesque and hilarious mm-hmm. and look great horror has the capacity to do that to mm-hmm. just show you something shocking but you're also kind of chuckling at it because yes. you know you're not supposed to be seeing this <laughs> but, yeah. but i am seeing it and it's hysterical when yeah. he's running around naked yeah. uh, after <laughs> a naked american man stole my balloons <laughs> i have to stress a horror movie has has no no uh like precedent to be funny whatsoever it doesn't have to be funny if it doesn't want to yeah be. no obligation uh but yeah, if if you're going to do horror comedy, do it right. Because sure. if you do it wrong, you're going to fall flat on your face, which many uh, horror comedies do. Certainly. Uh, but this one, I think, gets it perfectly. I, the only thing I was concerned about when you were watching it, it were, or the, the only thing I was concerned about when I knew that you were going to watch it was how you were going to take the tone. Yeah, um, I bought in okay. right away. Maybe I've just become conditioned to accept this stuff because you've exposed me to so much of it. That's what happens. Um, but yeah, I... I totally got it that this was a charming comedy and also horribly grotesque and the violence was just a part of that and it's fucked up too like yeah like i remember when i first saw it being really surprised by how gruesome the movie actually is the griffin dunn makeup is quite disturbing yeah when he first enters the the hospital room (laughs) he's got you can see his his trachea and he's got a little bit of skin flapping off of his it's oh it's great and but Oh, the movie is so wonderfully jarring with its editing like that because they just do a, a quick cut over to him. Just, yeah. It's like, hey, there he is. And it's like, what the fuck? And again, it's a nice blend of like, it's it's equally as grotesque as it is funny in that moment. Yeah. And you could say that about the dream sequences. Oh, oh the my, dream sequences are incredible. The Nazi werewolf dream sequence so is good, dude. fucking awesome. That's <laughs> actually the moment when I bought in. That was the moment where I'm like, you know, this is not just your typical schlocky Adam movie from the 80s. No. Like, it 
is allowing itself to be weird and just go for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I appreciated, I think, most about it. That is that is one of the most chaotic sequences I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and I rewatched it a couple months ago, and I'm like, yeah, that scene is so hilariously but horrifyingly just brutal yeah these these so nazi werewolves brutal. are just shooting at china for no reason they're and, just <laughs> and children right and every, well, that's at least for a reason they want to murder those people yeah. there is no reason to just be shooting the machine gun at the wall exactly it's loud and it's it's almost incoherent yeah and the, the entire time uh david's got a knife held up to his his throat as he's watching all this happen and then finally he's, it's, he's oh it's grotesque for sure it's horrifying but yeah i i love it yeah, uh, and that is second only to the car crash sequence in the My, moments of the movie. That the London Square scene is incredible. It is incredible, so good. So essentially, um, the main character becomes a werewolf. We we know the plot of the movie essentially. Yeah. If you've seen any werewolf movie ever, um, but towards the end, he's in a porno theater mm-hmm. with a uh, you know just a, a bunch of people that he murders, mm-hmm. and he runs out as a werewolf, and the, that causes a bus to drift into another lane which causes another car crash which results in people flying out of their windshields <laughs> and then other guys getting run, run over by the bus <laughs> and like that's just incredible schlock to me um, that's my schlock man that's yeah. what i want i don't need to see like your zombies eating brains just show me total pandemonium on the streets of London with people getting run over and crashing into each other. Oh, that's the thing, though. Like, it is an insane and schlocky, but it, again, it's another example of a scene that is edited so tightly and quick, and you, you, but you understand exactly what's going on. So, like, the moment where the guy gets run over, you're like, ew, God. Right. It's just intense. And it is, it, it's, I, I find that scene, like, kind of unnerving sometimes because it is so just, just all over the place. Yeah. I mean, it is the most, like, like scattershot scene, but it just works it's fantastic yeah. and then there's the ending yeah and this is what i wanted to bring up um look it's a weird ending it doesn't work i'm okay with it I'm, maybe you have an argument for why it does work um but uh, and i think everybody it seems like the universal consensus is it's too abrupt and doesn't make much sense and is a weird note to end on for a movie that's so spirited and full of life you know yeah it's i i am very split on it like i the point is that it's like it's essentially John Landis being like is like slapping you in the face and being like stop it don't take it too seriously it's just a movie about a fucking werewolf yeah and okay <laughs> but it's not really that though is it no not really because it's kind of a downer and yeah. it's meant to be like an emotional moment yeah exactly it's like it's not just, I don't know maybe it's just because I'm used to seeing movies a different way but again like you don't have to do that like I can still walk out of the film and be like holy shit great movie uh, you don't and you know at that point i have snapped out of it i don't know yeah you don't need to to go the extra mile and do that because it sort of undercuts what the impact of the ending was supposed to be or was trying to be yeah so well it yeah i i think you're right in that it breaks the dream logic yeah. in a way like it sort of just ends it and in a moment like that you remember that it's just a movie that mm-hmm. is certainly true um i just think it's pretty tonally inconsistent with the rest of it and i thought for the most part it was a pretty yeah. solid work of tone yeah. well that's the thing it's like it is and it isn't like it, it d- again carries on that similar like like abrupt comedy you know or sudden comedy if you want to call it that yeah mixing in with all like the horrifying things that are coming before which yeah, again makes sense it's just yeah it's the one scene like no matter how many times i see it i'm like yeah it doesn't quite work doesn't quite work yeah i was okay with it though to be honest yeah. with you because yeah. i just enjoyed it so much oh yeah no, that point. no it's okay yeah because even again the ending itself before the it, it, it's not even 
it's not so much the ending of the film it's just like the the cut to black it's the credits itself you know right it's the only thing where it's like you went a little too far there yeah i mean endings really don't matter for movies like this that's that's what i just keep thinking about Mm -hmm. like it's a fucking werewolf movie and the set pieces are the point and the connective tissue as you mentioned earlier it's kind of besides the point even though i don't think this movie has bad connective tissue i know i don't think so either but it it's not going to ruin it for me no an ending like that he still tells his story so yeah i'm fine with it yeah that's american werewolf in london i enjoyed it a lot thank you for assigning it to me i'm glad you liked it not streaming anywhere but if you can track it down on rental if you haven't seen this movie what the hell's wrong with you yeah watch it yeah it's awesome my dinner with andre directed by louis mallet written and starring wally sean and andre gregory as themselves Mm -hmm. two old friends meet for dinner as one tells anecdotes detailing his experiences, the other notices their differing worldviews. Yeah. Um, I think Roger Ebert described this movie the best in his review when he said, quote, somebody asked me the other day if I could name a movie that was entirely devoid of cliches. I thought for a moment and then answered my dinner with Andre. Uh, this movie doesn't have any cliches. This movie is unlike anything that's ever been made and anything that will ever exist ever again. Yeah. Uh, and that's not necessarily... That doesn't make it like a great work of cinema. Maybe it does. But it certainly makes it a great viewing experience and yes. one that I think everybody should have at least once. Yeah. It sort of has it easy in being that way because of what... I don't know, what the story ultimately is or, you know, how what the plot is in quotes. Sure. So it's very easy for a movie like this to be devoid of cliches. I don't give it like that much praise. But yeah, it's 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 an entirely lovable movie. Mm. I really, really like this movie. I adore this movie. Yeah, it's great. But of course, I adore a movie like this. Because <laughs> it's just dialogue. Right. It's just dialogue. It's nothing but dialogue. It's two guys sitting in a restaurant and talking about life and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting. Kind of impossible to summarize. I mean, you could sort of describe some of the main points thematically. Yeah, you could. But the movie doesn't have like one thematic statement. No, it's more like trying to reach a moment. Yeah. Yeah, with, more so with Wally Shawn's character. Yeah. So, And I guess I could describe his character. His character is actually very well drawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sort of a reclusive yeah, New York guy, yeah. very cynical, man of science, not necessarily of faith, mm-hmm. not adventurous, no. full of fear, full of anxiety. Yeah. Um, the type of guy, and he actually talks about this in the movie, that is afraid of conversations with people. Yeah. Which is, in a weird way, something I can relate to. I can relate to both characters in this movie. I don't know how you feel about it. But mm-hmm. I, I can relate to that idea of getting really anxious sitting across the table from a person and you're not sure exactly what you're going to talk about and you feel this need to perform yeah, and to put on sort of the pleasantries of society. But I can also relate to someone like Andre Gregory who is very talkative and uses his eccentricities as a defense mechanism. Yeah, I've definitely been that guy at many an awkward lunches Mm -hmm. where the other person I can tell is not really into the conversation so I just dominate with a million different stories that I had prepared. Yeah. And I think both are sort of, uh, they're sincere in some ways, but in other ways they're putting on the same performance. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of a study for me how you survive the rigidity of society. Yeah. You know? 
and just sort of mundane scenarios like this is yeah I, guess. It, it, I mean it's a kind of a character study through and through but i don't yeah i don't it's funny because i don't really relate to these characters at all but really no nah, not really i know i'm 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 a little more in the middle with both of them but um it's it is interesting though like the, just seeing how effective this movie is because even though i don't relate to it i just love watching them yeah and Again, a, a lot of this movie works for me in just the little nuances and seeing how they react to something profound that the other says. Right. You know, and that's sort of what carries it along for me. I mean, the way Andre speaks is just like you kind of can't like stop listening because I, I just love the rhythm of that character. I love the way he tells his stories. Incredible storyteller. Yeah. yeah. And uh, editing that's probably underrated, in my opinion. I think so too. Yeah. Because they know exactly when to stop and be like, what's Wallace thinking? And, they, and they'll cut over to him and you, you kind of understand exactly where he is in the conversation just by his face. And that, that kind of flops back and forth. Like, again, there's not the, – the movie is technically repetitive. Yeah. But, again, because the meat you're given is so, you know, juicy sure. and, and, and it's just it's, – it's so great to take part in it that I don't really care. And I, I read in a screenwriting thing somewhere. I don't know if it was a blog or a manual or a video or whatever – that uh, if you're telling an anecdote, if one of your mm. characters is telling an anecdote and you can show it rather than tell it, you should do that. Yeah. So like if someone is recounting the details of a bank robbery that happened two days ago, don't just have a character describing the bank robbery, show the bank robbery. Mm-hmm. And I think a lesser movie would have felt that same desire when uh, Andre's character is talking about being lowered into the ground and yeah. buried alive, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but the movie doesn't do that. And I guess you can imagine that version of the movie with a lot of cutaways and flashbacks. Oh, yeah. But Andrew Gregory is such a talented storyteller. And I guess the script is such an excellent work of screenwriting that you feel like you see those moments yeah. unfold as exactly. you're telling them, yeah. uh, which is really a miracle. And it's an underrated quality of the screenplay, I would say. I'd say though, that's what I love about it more than anything, because it is a movie about storytelling. Yeah. And it's and it's like like most raw form i suppose yeah I, I if i'm to say anything negative about it i guess it's the obvious does it need to be a film no probably not but am i happy that it is yeah it feels like a play for sure yeah i mean they uh, talk about the theater a lot in yeah. this movie like yeah. oh my god they won't experimental theater is like a theme and the no movie. they won't shut up about it <laughs> yeah and both characters are playwrights one's a director one's a playwright slash actor yeah and so yeah it's a movie about the stage and it's two stage people and it's a lot of talking yeah they feels like it was a play before it was a movie it wasn't yeah but they have since done plays of course yeah you know. which I, I i think is fine i think it's totally okay yeah I love movies that feel like place. I know you don't necessarily, but that's one of the things I, one of the qualities I love. I love feeling like I'm in a Broadway theater watching <laughs> this from the comfort of my own home. Even though you yourself don't care for Broadway. No, but I like it when it's on screen for some reason. <laughs> okay. It's funny. Well, I don't like musicals. That's really what I, when I say I don't like Broadway, it's, it's the musicals. Okay. That's fine. Like I'd love to see Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross live. Yeah, I would too. There's a lot of stuff like that that I'd love to see live. Yeah. You would love the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I would. Um, yeah, I I really love this movie. I love the little details. Um, I wrote in my notes ahead of time. The waiter that keeps coming up to them, mm-hmm. like the Grim Reaper. Yeah. He's like 80 years old and he has this deadened face. Yep. And he's just pale white. And Wally keeps looking at him. It, the Wally Sean performance here is actually really underrated. Mm-hmm. Because he does this thing where he's looking at the waiter with this paranoid look yeah. of like, 
what do you want from me? <laughs> like, are you the angel of death and are you about to take me to hell? <laughs> yeah. And it just like reiterates how full of fear this guy is and how distrusting of everyone around him he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like what the waiter is sort of representative of. Sure. Uh, this guy that just keeps invading his space every like 10 minutes um, and he, he just assumes everything's going to go wrong. He assumes this dinner's going to go wrong. He assumes Andre has just gone insane. <laughs> he assumes he's going to get nothing out of this conversation. He's been dreading it forever. Mm-hmm. And by the end of this movie, it's a very subtle arc, but he learns to sort of accept guys yep. like Andre for who they are yep. and just to live in the moment and in the present and not just be full of anxiety all the time. Yeah. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. No, I love, I pretty much love this mo- this movie. Yeah. N- not traditionally an Adam film, but it, I, I I can't deny it. it's it's deeply affecting yeah. for those reasons. Um, Lloyd Kaufman of Troma fame, oh. poultry geist in particular, okay, was production manager on this movie. Oh my god! One of his first jobs in cinema was this, and I believe Troma Productions is credited on the. It's probably the credit. best thing he's ever done. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Tromeo and Juliet, but... Uh, boy, well, well, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, I also wrote down here, this is basically podcast the movie. <laughs> I feel like it was way ahead of its time. Podcast the movie, you think? Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't eat, do we? That's no. Like, well, mis- Nick does. Yeah, sometimes he does. <laughs> Nick does. That bastard. <laughs> I feel like the movie was ahead of its time. Maybe, in a way. It sort of feels like a precursor to a lot of stuff that like Richard Linklater would do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yes, it's very before trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just think it's kind of funny that back then it's like, oh, so experimental. Two guys talking about philosophy nonstop. <laughs> hey, hey, don't we don't talk about philosophy. Don't, yeah, don't, we can. No, don't give us too much credit. We are. N- <laughs> no, I'm not giving us too much credit at all. Quite the contrary. <laughs> we are not intellects. Podcasting <laughs> is the medium for fucks yeah. who think they know about philosophy. Yeah, that's true. Talking about philosophy without edits. <laughs> this movie's approaching or this podcast rather is approaching 46 minutes so if you know we want to talk about brevity and the lack thereof yeah, on this network we suck we really no we're did. definitely aspiring to be by dinner with Andre I think that's what all podcasters are aspiring towards as good as that too is that what you mean no not as good yeah but yeah whatever <laughs> you're missing my point <laughs> what do you mean no I just mean like the balls that it takes for people to think their two hour conversations are interesting uh, is the very mindset that got this movie made. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. Right. Cause we, we think, well, the thing is, I don't think our conversations are worth listening to, but I do this anyway. <laughs> you still record them. I know. Uh, stream it on the criterion channel. Very good. Uh, Criterion Channel. I'm getting some good use out of it, by the way. You give it a lot of shit. I don't understand. Like, it's I don't give it shit. Yes, you do. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's very hit or miss. No, it's great. It's a little hit or miss. It's great. It is good. Some good stuff on there. It produces some really fucking good movies. Election is on there now. Antichrist is on there, too. Yeah, that's true. But that's a good movie. Solo is also on there, though. Antichrist is a good movie? Yeah, of course it is. I don't enjoy it. Don't worry, but... (laughs) Escape from New York. Written and directed by John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, and Harry Dean Stanton. Fuck yeah. 1997, when the U.S. president crashes into Manhattan, now a giant maximum security prison. How funny is it that 1997 was the future? (laughs) I know. It's not even like that far away. In the faraway land of 1997, a convicted bank robber is sent 
to rescue him, this, of course, is a movie about Snake Plissken. Uh, a little anecdote for listeners at home. I think you were there, actually. There were a bunch of us hanging out in my basement, and we played Battle of the Sexes. Oh, Remember God. that? Yeah. Yeah, we played Battle of the Sexes, and that's like a board game. It's like a trivia board game. And it's kind of sexist, but whatever. The men ask women questions about male things, and the women ask the males questions about women things. <laughs> so it was like yeah. there's a stack of cards about like tampons and reality shows and you know, stuff I know a lot about. And the other one has like sports and tools and whatever. And so one of the questions in that game was name Kurt Russell's character in Escape from New York. <laughs> and I think that was the moment I realized Escape from New York is the most male movie I think ever made. <laughs> That's absolutely true. There is nothing feminine about it whatsoever. Literally. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that. Yeah, I don't think because I was going to say maybe like a Schwarzenegger film, but yeah, there are technically like some feminine qualities to, I guess, some of the the the, the romance scenes. Well, a lot of those, them are but, also self-aware. Yeah, like the Predator, that, for example, is certainly for males and made by males, but it does sort of poke at the archetypes of yes. the male action hero. Yeah, that one's close, though. If I'm to get manliest films, that's up there. Yeah. But again, because it's a little more aware of that and sort of satirizing it. Right. Whereas this just fucking goes for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm thinking to myself, man, Snake Plissken. Yeah. There's no shot any woman in America knows who the fuck Snake Plissken nope. is. <laughs> but, but I know who he is. I love that name <laughs> so much. He is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. And I got to tell you, Gun to My Head, I think this is my favorite Carpenter. Okay. I think Gun to My Head. Maybe Halloween is up there, but... Not the thing? No, I think I like this more than the thing. Whoa. Yeah. I think I do. I have to disagree with you there. Okay. Because the, 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 this movie ain't perfect. It's very good. It's, it's not, certainly not perfect. No. <laughs> Whereas like the thing, there's like nothing wrong with the thing in my opinion. Okay. But uh, yeah, for me it goes the thing, Halloween, and then this. This is my third favorite. Okay. And, but like again, I love all three of those films and it, this is just a treat. Yes. This film is so fucking good. And like I said, because it really doesn't care about its silliness and just commits to it and it's not afraid to be fun but also in, in, in kind of insane – Mm. Uh, I, I just, I just, I'm just all in. Yeah, it, re- it really treats those those uh, those details with a lot of respect, and it 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 draws them quite nicely, and makes New York just. A, a, it's, it's funny because I didn't ex- with the budget that they had, you wouldn't have expected them to make this world feel so real and lived in, but yeah. they do it like it, like exceptionally. Oh, well. it's incredible! Yeah. the production design. Yeah, yeah, I know, underrated in my opinion, but again, that's stems from the fact that this is an an independent film yeah isn't that so weird this well, is an independent film. i think it cost like 25 million so independent by today's standards i think then it was still like a pretty big investment but yeah had an independent sensibility for sure yeah. no i think this is an independent film because carpenter's first studio film was um uh the thing yeah that's his first one okay um yeah what i love about it is that it's a silly action movie yeah. for sure but it's not a silly action movie that puts too much emphasis on the star. No. Uh, a lot of 80s movies did that. Obviously, all the Arnold movies, all the Rambos did that. Uh, Die Hard, even to a certain extent, although like a lot of people could have played John McClane. I, I would definitely put like the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies in this category. Yeah. They put a lot of emphasis on the lead and his charisma, and everything else around him was just incidental. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this movie feels lived in and it feels like a real world that you want to explore. Yeah. Like I want to hang out in this Manhattan. <laughs> like obviously I don't want to stay there for too long, but I definitely want to like take a tour of the place. I, I was going to say, I'd like to explore it. I'm not sure I want to hang out there, but yeah. it'd be interesting to view from afar. Sure. And it, it's, it's so interesting you say that because generally movies of the... Uh, what became the the action hero archetype is that impervious, impenetrable superhero action guy. And, I mean, much like another character, a few other characters, actually, that we'll talk about uh, very, very soon, is mm-hmm. that um, this hero, again, not the focus. And, no. And also very vulnerable. Yes. And will get the shit kicked out of it. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I love so much about this film is that overlooming sense of dread, because I'm like, Snake is, could die. Yeah, and he's and there's there's a literal tick and clock element where it's like, yeah, if you, <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah, oh my way. god, <laughs> tell him what <laughs> we've injected you with little microscopic pills that will burst and then blow out your 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 aort. What 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 the fuck was it? Is uh, your arteries? Your, your arteries? Yeah. yeah. What a convoluted <laughs> plot device. Why do you need that? Like, isn't the pardon enough? But, isn't a presidential pardon and a life of freedom enough for you? No. You got to also inject him with explosives in case he does anything. In case he does anything. But this is the thing is like that is so ridiculous. It's like it's like silly for like James Bond, but again, they don't they don't treat it as silly. Like they really they really take it seriously. No, they don't. It's it's there there's In the way that John Carpenter takes it seriously. Yeah. Right? The, but there's it, still a campy there's a natural campiness to the carpenter model yeah but it's but again it's still kind of tonally consistent with like no no we're, we're i know it's silly but let's let's treat it as if the let's treat it as seriously as the characters are treating it anyway right okay exactly yeah fair um i still love kurt russell in this though I, oh my god let's not sell short how great he is in this awesome and and uh i i, I obviously iconic to the right groups anyway right. it's still more of a cult film than anything but like sure. to those who have seen this film it's like you 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 cannot forget snake call me snake <laughs> what a great character name <laughs> we don't have enough names like this i know right screenwriter spend more time on your names man cool names well again we got a few more coming up cool ass fucking absolutely names. we do one of the reasons i love this year so much cool hero names damn it that's a great point yeah Except for Abrams from bringing <laughs> Chariots of Fire. What, I remembered it. <laughs> Snake motherfucking Pliskin, bro. The president's been kidnapped. President of what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so much fun, and it's uh, so bloody and explosive and I, awesome. And and Harry Dean stands in it. So Harry Dean stands in it, as he is a lot of cult 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, there's a little anti-government stuff in there. Oh, yeah. There's enough there there to mm-hmm. treat it like a real movie that has themes. Well, all John Carpenter films do that, though. And that's one of the reasons why he's always been one of my favorite filmmakers is that he just makes these just fucking awesome movies. Yeah. That always have just enough to say. Just but a not little too bit. much where no. it's going to overwhelm you. That's the key, right? It's, it's never in your face and it's never obnoxious. Aside from maybe They Live. Even though I like They Live, that's the one where it's like most like, okay, stop, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's just sort of this little thing that they tack on to the end, all the stuff with the corrupt president. Yes. Uh, and Snake getting revenge. <laughs> like, like... T- the cassette tape. No, you're right. And it's small, too. Just a little bit. They don't, they don't go all in with it. Just enough skepticism of authority. I love that. I do, too. Uh, yeah, this movie is just so much fun. Fucking boxing scene with the, with the nail club. Oh, my <laughs> God! <laughs> I love it. And what's the guy, what's the guy, the, the, the Duke... Yes. What's that actor? The, oh, uh, Lee, that's uh, Lee, Lee Van Cleef. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
and he's just shooting at the president. The guy's missing a finger. He's just <laughs> hung up there. <laughs> just, we're just going to shoot at you downrange and just barely miss you. I miss the badass president era. Mm. I miss like Air Force One, 24, <laughs> where like the president really had to get his hands dirty. <sighs> I guess White House down is that. Maybe. <laughs> Olympus has fallen. It, it's It's gone out of style, but honestly, probably for good reason. Get off my plane. Get off my plane. Fuck yeah. Air Force One. That's another nice movie. Gary Oldman. Yeah, Awesome man. in that. Oh, so good. Isn't Glenn Close in that, too? She might. Yeah. She yeah. plays, like, vice president or something? She's like, yeah, she's like, uh, what the hell does she do? She's never on the plane. She's like. Yeah, she's, like, on the ground. Yeah. She's, like, the executive like, branch representative, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. As the president is alone on a hijacked plane. What a. F- <laughs> Did that start that cliche? The president is alone and has to save his family or from the terrorists, you know. Like, yeah, I think at some point the idea that, ah, oh, presidents are just people was mm-hmm. really charming. Mm-hmm. And now that's just totally gone away because our presidents are reality stars. <laughs> um, but I think there was a point where it's like, oh. Could you imagine if John F. Kennedy was an action hero mm-hmm. and just the idea of him having a family that he went home to and acting human was endearing. Now yeah. it's like they're Whatever. even more flawed than us. They're not even yeah. as flawed. They're more flawed than us. So very interesting. Escape from New York. One of my favorites. Also available on the Criterion channel. Yep. So go give that a stream. I really should have rewatched it before this podcast. I, I haven't watched it in a, in a little while. Oh, really? Um, but I adore it. I watch it every time it's on TV. Yeah, no, same with every, every time I watch it. So I see it every once in a while. Uh, let's talk Mad Max 2. Yeah. Colin, the Road Warrior, mm-hmm. written and directed by George Miller, as all Mad Max films were. Starring Mel Gibson, Bruce Spence, and Michael Preston in the post-apocalyptic Australian wasteland, a cynical drifter agrees to help a small gasoline-rich community escape a horde of bandits. Uh, Go ahead, do your Mad Max thing. Oh, God. I love this movie. This movie is fucking awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. And um, it's sad, man. Why is it sad? You know, it's when I'm talking about the Mad Max franchise, it's like, yeah, this movie is incredible. Not Fury Road. That's not sad. <laughs> no, it's that's like, awesome. No, it is. It's like it, this is what we're talking about with the uh, a lot of what I say sort of references stuff that I've heard on other reviews, but but it's like a spoil of riches with this. You know, it's like yeah. this movie's so good. Oh, and, and you know, of course, then came Fury Road. So it's like it eclipses this one because everything that uh, this movie does well, Fury Road does better. But that's only because it was made 30 years later. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, but it could have been so much worse. And usually these updated films are. Certainly. You know, it's a miracle that that movie was as good as it is. Yeah. But I still watch this one a lot. I, and I, I mean, I love each and every one of the Mad Max films. But um, yeah, this one is, has always been something really, really special to me. And it's an interesting story in that I think m- me and most of America saw this thinking that it was the first movie. And it's not. Mm. Because the original wasn't as like widely known by by uh, America at the time and Mel Gibson wasn't as widely known at the time and then this movie kind of came out and just kind of blew everyone away yeah and what's so interesting about it is that it is just a crazy very weird and out there action film that just goes for it and it's brutal uh but it's like one of those films that is widely accepted by like a lot of filmmakers as like some of their favorite films it's Mm. like you see this on a lot of filmmakers favorite lists you know i would not have thought that this was one of david fincher's favorite films or one of the coen brothers favorite films but it is you know Mm. and 
what is it about these Mad Max films? <laughs> well, they are populist entertainment, yeah. first and foremost, and they never stray from that. But they are also all made by a very specific auteur. A voice. And there are just not a lot of franchise films like that. No. And there are not a lot, not a lot of populist films like yeah. that. Um, we're going to talk about Raiders in a second, but even Raiders, although it's Spielberg and it's one of the great action movies ever made, still feels like it's factory made to a certain extent and still has a bunch of different voices all contributing to a really awesome product. Yeah. But these movies, whether they hit or miss, I know you're not a huge Thunderdome fan, and I'm not. No, a, no, oh, no, okay. no, that Sorry. is not true. Apologies. I just said I love every one of the Mad Max. Films. Okay, fine. If I had to rank them, it'd probably be at the bottom. Okay, but I love that movie. Fine. I, some people don't like Thunderdome then, and I know I'm not a huge fan of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all feel like they're from this guy's head, and yes. I think a lot of filmmakers really respect that because they grew up watching the Star Wars and Indiana Jones movies. But they want to make something more in the vein of Mad Max. Oh, absolutely. They see that as sort of a professional aspiration as opposed to just, I'm a fanboy that wants to watch cars blow up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hate is when people like, like I don't know, condemn these films for that. Because they've always been so much more to that to me. Yeah. And there was always a lot more. Oh, I, I don't think many people bash these movies I, I but I, populist. No, not many people, but I've heard it said before. And I'm just like, shut up. Yeah. What are you talking about? Because the movies always have a lot more to say about the, the, the society at large, too. Yeah. And the thing about these movies, more than anything, is that it, it's a world that the filmmaker understands completely and lays it out just enough to tell his story, but doesn't necessarily go into it to, to, to expository lengths, you know, which is one of the things I love so much about this film is that as insane as it is, there's actually a tremendous amount of restraint with its storytelling. Mm. And this, again, similar to Fury Road, it's like it's slimmed down quite a bit and it's it's just efficient as hell. Yeah. There's not really a wasted scene in this movie. And I not I, a wasted line. I actually no, wrote down somewhere no. Mel Gibson only has sixteen lines of dialogue in the entire film. That's correct. And two of them were, quote, I only came for the gasoline. Yeah. What's his <laughs> his longest line is probably the uh Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Yeah. Badass. That's it. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. And a lot of people were complaining about uh, Tom Hardy not having any lines. And I'm just like. That's well within the tradition of this franchise. Yeah. Yep. For yeah. sure. And this is, again, well-treaded territory. But everyone says, oh, Max is not the central focus. I'm like, eh, it's not the central focus in, uh, honestly, uh, Road Warrior or Thunderdome. Not a little more so. Uh, a little more so, yeah. But certainly not in this. Yeah, um, you know, it's one of those things. I I don't know how this movie got made based on the original. I don't know like what the first one did business wise. Oh, it's one of the it, at the time it was the most successful independent film ever made. Okay, so, so fair. All right, then it warranted a sequel. Yeah, I guess I just see that movie and one of the reasons I don't like it is because I've seen these other ones and I see the world that George Miller had in his brain and uh, I I just thought, ugh, this is just flat compared to Road Warrior. It's just flat compared to Fury Road. It And it also doesn't look like an apocalyptic future the way that this movie looks like an apocalyptic future. No, that movie's trying to be like the society before it has completely collapsed. It's more dystopian than apocalyptic. Yeah. It's not until, again, Road Warrior that you completely like fall into that. And then it just gets worse and worse for every movie. Yeah. Which I, it, I actually kind of love that about that first movie is that if you 
watch these movies, you know, uh, one after the other, there is a natural progression to so the So you way think it's world. intentional? I think so. Okay. I, I've actually read a lot about the behind the scenes, and he never was going necessarily, like, he was kind of working with what he got, and he's just like, I just want to make a like a like a, a crazy action movie with a little bit more to say and whether or not it's dystopian or apocalyptic is sort of beside the point right it's just sort of again as an auteur he's like i feel like i should make it more apocalyptic as i go on okay which i love again i deeply respect that film and i i i sort of flop back and forth on that one with uh beyond thunderdome and and the, the original i've said this before but i will watch the first Mad Max and be like, yeah, I love this movie, but is it better than Beyond Thunderdome? I don't know. That would that didn't age well. That's a little weird, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, or this little detail with uh, the story is not as interesting. And I'll be like, okay, maybe I like Thunderdome better. And then I'll watch Thunderdome. And as soon as they get to the kids, again, I, I, I like it for what it is, but it, it, it's like, whoa, the story got slow. It's too Disney World. Whoa, that got slow. Whoa, that's strange. And then the third act, again, I, I, I love it. But similarly, I'm like, that didn't age so well. That didn't work so well. And it kind of, you know, uh, it, it juggles a lot. And then I'm like, maybe I like the first one more. Yeah, I've heard these criticisms for sure. And I know Tina Turner is not necessarily a beloved performer in that movie. She's good in that movie, though. I think she's good, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you know what I think it is, too, is the, the, the little person character. Yeah. Really don't like it. Yeah. It's just weird and awkward and uncomfortable. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, this is the second best Mad Max movie for sure. It yes. was the best Mad Max movie until the new one came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's an incredible action apocalyptic story similar to Escape from New York mm-hmm. in the production design. Yep. I just think a slightly elevated version of that um, in the material. And I just think George Miller directs his ass off. Oh, God. And it's hard to watch that first one and think this is a part of the same piece because it's like. No, see, I, I back up on that a little. Okay, bit. but right. uh, but no, I watch this thing and I'm like, how the hell? Did, it, it, you see, the thing people don't understand about making movies is that they're really fucking hard to make. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I see a movie like this, I'm like, how did he just not quit filmmaking and like 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 just just you know go into a deep depression? Because I would have been just burnt out for the rest of my life after a movie like this. Yeah, it's just like, how do you make movies like this? It's it's just the amount of logistics that needs to go into every single shot is just like daunting. Like like filmmakers that have to do, deal with dramas have it easy because they don't have to deal with as much shit as this guy did. You know? Yeah. The amount of vehicles and performers and extras and pyrotechnics and sets and and dealing with wind and dust and feeding your actors in the middle of nowhere. It's just Right. Oh my god. Yeah, it's one thing if you're on a sound stage. It's another thing if you're in the middle of the fucking desert. Yeah, and you're dealing with <laughs> gasoline gets in your camera, then you ruin your negative and then the the sand is getting in the equipment. It's just it sucks. But the guy did it. And yeah, it's one of the best action films ever made. Uh and I I I mean I have to talk about Mel Gibson, of course. Go ahead. Max Rakatansky. I a great name. Yeah, fuck yeah. Again, very very vulnerable character gets the shit kicked out of him right when you think he's going to escape his car gets blown up mm-hmm. and so wonderful sense of you know no one is really safe in this world even your hero and i love that just to emphasize how how brutal this the 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 earth has become um but like mel gibson's charisma is just off the charts yeah and i really see it in this because he has no lines and it's like this guy just doing stuff did you see dragged across concrete yet not yet have you? No, I got to do it. Yeah, I do too. I know there's been a little bit of controversy around that movie, but I, I'm really interested to see those two movie stars yeah. 
do their thing. Because I feel like it's with both Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson in a weird way. <laughs> a similar thing has happened to them where they've sort of been these forgotten heroes. Yeah. Because they're actually really good yeah. as like a charismatic lead. Yes. I and, and they've both been laughed off as clowns, which they are in real life. But on screen, I, I actually think Mel Gibson has become an underrated actor. No, I, I watched. I know you don't love Lethal Weapon, but I, I don't. I, I watched it the other day. I was like, I fucking love Mel Gibson. Yeah. I actually think he's a really great actor. Yeah. Everything I've ever seen him in, I've enjoyed his performance. And again, in this especially where it's just like Mel Gibson just just like going up to like the 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 helicopter the little like like shitty helicopter and trying to grab the snake and just the way he looks at it and that look he gives and the way he performs the grab and whatnot just like the little things i just love every mannerism that this guy has and it's just the, this naturally charismatic guy I, I i i just love everything he does yeah um cool that's mad max too yeah the road warrior mm-hmm. a movie you love movie i love quite a bit yeah <laughs> But one that is going to have a hard time getting in today, unfortunately. <laughs> it makes me really, really, really sad. Because <laughs> we have to talk about a movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I Which know. was directed by a man named Steven Spielberg. And it stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, Paul Freeman, <laughs> and Alfred Molina. Could you imagine Mad Max 2, directed by Steven Spielberg, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, directed by George Miller? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Whoa. <laughs> I sign me up for that universe. Where's the button? Where's the button that changes time and space that gives me that universe? Yo, that would be awesome. I want that. that I want to be- see George Miller's Temple of Doom. I want to see his his Last Crusade. And yeah, I want to see what Spielberg would do with Mad Max. Yes. Give me the button. Where is it? <laughs> I don't know where the button is. Give it to me, universe. The button broke, but there's a spiritual button. Okay. <laughs> Incredible. When you said Temple of Doom, no one saw this because it's an audio podcast, but my face lit up. Incredible. Temple of Doom, directed by George Miller. Yes. Holy (laughs) shit. Oh, that minecart scene. Oh. The heart? Imagine the heart. (laughs) I love it. Uh, it it is the winner of best art direction best sound best film editing and best visual effects at the Oscars but was shut out of the major categories including best picture best director best cinematography and best original score unfortunately come on is that really a better score Chariots of Fire I love the Vangela score come on don't get me wrong it's it's very very good uh See, both themes are, are are very iconic. It's not like John Williams needs any more Oscars. I know that, no. but come on, dude. No, I, 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 it's it's. I understand, and I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> Which do I love more? It's pretty fucking obvious. Yes. <laughs> um, number ten on AFI's thriller list. Number two on their heroes list, and number sixty-six on their all-time movie list. In 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before Adolf Hitler's Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Um, You know, you just mentioned this. It is underrated how great the name Indiana Jones is. Mm -hmm. Who names a character Indiana? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, whoever it was, either it was Kasdan or or George Lucas. It might have been Lucas, actually. Yeah, I think it was Lucas. Because he developed the story, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That might be the second best thing George Lucas has ever done. (laughs) Yep. I think, yeah. Um, so good. Such a great name. Okay, here's here's my thing with Indiana Jones. All, all of the movies. I guess we can get into a larger conversation about them all. Okay. Um, I adored them as a child. I loved them. 
Okay. In the way, I'm sure you did too. I still love them, man. Yeah. Well, point being, the peak of my Indiana Jones fandom was when I was 13. Yeah. Um, and I think at that age, I loved all of the movies, Temple of Doom included. I Crystal Skull, I didn't, but Temple of Doom, I I loved as well. Last Crusade, I acknowledge is I think the second best. Um, but Spielberg has a way of capturing the imagination of a of a boy more than that of an adult. Mm-hmm. And I think I look at this material now with modern eyes and I recognize that it's campy and schlocky and pulpy and playing on a lot of the sort of Saturday morning cereal stuff mm-hmm. of oh, the yeah. time. Oh yeah. Right. And specifically is that way in its portrayal of the Nazi characters. Yes. There is not a lot of ambiguity in this movie. It is black and white morally and it is made by a Jewish guy that wanted to take revenge on the Nazis. Okay. Right. And that's what this movie is. I think if you look at it thematically, it's about Nazism and about like just the action hero with a whip who kicks ass and gets revenge. And it's not so far away from Inglorious Bastards in that way. I think Last Crusade is more specifically that than this. Yeah. This is this is a little more concerned with, the, the I think, the Saturday morning serials is more deeply than something like uh, Last Crusade even is. Yeah. So. But I look at that now, and I acknowledge that, look, this is subject matter that is... It's fair game to be explored, and it's one of the reasons why I love Tarantino so much. Tarantino often pays homage to a lot of that pulpy stuff of the era. But I see that it's directed by Spielberg, and I see a lot of the Spielberg's isms, Mm -hmm. and I just yearn for a movie that's a little more edgy and a little more gritty. Because I think, nah, really. And I I acknowledge that it's one of his edgier PG movies. I was going to say, no, I, th- I find one of the things I love about these movies is how edgy they are for what they are. Yeah. I mean, for being like a Saturday morning uh, serial. I mean, I just rewatched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark last week. Yeah. And I was like that it, a lot of the choices with the the the, cin- the cinematography and the the lighting and some of the, the sets to the music in certain scenes, it's surprisingly dark, actually. Okay. And that's one of the things I appreciate about it so much is that it could have been sillier and it could have felt more like Back to the Future. Right. But it, I remember rewatching and thinking, like, this is actually fairly mature helming okay. i would say yeah which is what i love so much about it and it really re- sells itself in that way i mean i felt it and i'm like yeah this is like kind of dark and a lot of the 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 scenes where people get shot or killed are actually pretty impactful it's not it's not exactly light in the traditional sense well especially when you put it in the pantheon of spielberg movies yeah exactly for sure uh, i i i still think though there's a spielbergness to it dude it's like the spielberg film yes i well <laughs> that's okay no certainly and I, I i'm not gonna disparage spielberg or this movie or the combination of the two like of no. course it works and it changed cinema and it's a one of the great american films i just find myself wanting something a little dirtier and i and I yes, I want to even go far beyond a guy getting his face melted off in the last scene. Yeah. I want to go even beyond that. There's still like a, a campiness and a charm and a childlike sensibility that doesn't really work with this story entirely I, for me. Not to say that the movie doesn't work. I've seen it a million times and I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate and I'm trying to explain to you why I look at it and I think eh, it hasn't as aged well as okay. some of the other movies of the era. 
weird because I think I, I don't know it gets better okay <laughs> I, I, I don't see anything about this that it still like can't be absolutely beloved because in a lot of ways it feels like every movie now that's trying to be a summer blockbuster is just ripping off of this one in certainly ter- in terms of some, like tone especially certainly the case and style the MCU it, so, owes its entire existence to Indiana Jones yes yeah, like yeah Indiana Jones and Star Wars good for you George Lucas yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, yet yet I, I don't know I just disagree okay yeah that's fine yeah I just can't help but flip this on every once in a while and thinking eh, it hasn't aged perfectly wow some of this feels a little dated and i don't feel that way about et and i don't feel that way about jaws and i don't feel that way about I f- countless spielberg movies it's funny because i feel that way kind of about et i know you do not 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 like terribly again i still love that movie but the, the, if i'm to i guess like maybe the way you feel about this one was the way i feel about et yeah there it is maybe yeah. well et though is about a guy and his pet essentially it's about yeah. like a 12 year old boy and he's living in suburbia and he's trying to keep the alien away from mom mm-hmm. and there's nothing about that that screams like no. dark and gritty no tarantino would never make a movie like et no no tarantino but, may make a movie like indiana jones i was just about to say and many filmmakers have and many people oddly have it's very right. inter- interesting the impact that this movie has had on filmmakers i don't know if there's another film that has influenced filmmakers more than this yeah maybe not you know uh, and yeah this is this it, it's so funny seeing like like youtubers show their indiana jones films that they made back in the day oh there yeah have you ever seen that so doc they did i forget what it was called where the, oh, the greatest two- fan yeah film ever made yeah, yeah. I mean, Soderbergh released his own cut of the film recently. It's, oh, wow. It's it, like a black and white silent version with just the music. It's it's like people like filmmakers like like owe so much to this movie. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. But again, it's just one of the it, it's hard for me to say anything bad about this film because it is it is so it is so like like everything that film is trying to be. It is it the love of film in its purest form and Spielberg is just doing everything he can to showcase that. Yes. I, th- I think it's glorious. I am grasping at straws to criticize it, yeah. certainly. Yeah. And I think, obviously, we're going to induct it today and I don't <laughs> see an argument to the contrary. Uh, I just think, you know, Spielberg is great at wide-eyed nostalgia yes. and he's really good at something like E.T. But then once you enter Nazis into the equation, <laughs> you know, once you enter the supernatural elements and once you enter the desert and the middle east yep i'm looking for something a little more pg-13 than pg you don't have to go all the way to tarantino westerns i don't know i think he gets there and i think part of the reason that that's the case is because they change into pg-13 and rightfully so yeah that's true well this movie or the second one is responsible for the pg-13 rating yeah that that and gremlins yeah so i don't know i think it's i think it's more than there again it's one of those movies where it's like for pg again when i rewatched it for a pg-13 movie it's very edgy yeah yeah the second one especially and honestly even the third one yeah 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 dude it's better than et it's not but that's okay yes it is yes it is it's It's better what do you it's not better there's there's no argument that you can say that makes it better than et it is better that there's nothing about this movie that that et does there's nothing that et does that this movie doesn't do better how about that Aside from maybe some child performances. I don't know. Disagree. Um, All right. You're wrong. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay, man. You are very, very wrong about it's, that. It's America. I might call this his best movie. I would not put it there. Yeah. I would not. I, I, I think Schindler's List is better. And I think. Technically. But Spielberg what do you does. Mean technically. But Spielberg, what does that mean? I was going to say Spielberg is more in his. He certainly does this better, in my opinion. Like, this is more what he's suited for than, I, I suppose, Schindler's List. 
in a vacuum, you could say that, but then you see Schindler's List, and you're like, yeah, this is a movie that this guy was born to make. I get that, but I have also had a sim- similar response when, while watching this, where it's like, you, there's an argument to be had very easily that this is better than Jaws Schindler's is List. better than this, too. Yeah, that's the only one that I go back and forth on. From- and Saving Private Ryan, I would think about. I, I don't think I would... No, not quite. I would maybe put it a step down. For me, it's it's this and Jaws are his two best films. Okay. So. Well, you know my thoughts on E.T., but that's... You love E.T. I do. I need Zach here, goddammit. I know, man. <laughs> I, I adore... I think that movie's perfect. Yeah. I really do. I, I think that movie is pretty close to flawless and accomplishes everything that I want out of a movie. It's just... It's weird. I love that movie. I love that movie. Don't get... Like, it's phenomenal, but like... Dude, it's not his... It's just not his best film. The effects in this are a little dated, too. I mean, that's that's nitpicking. Um there is a charm to it yeah I, I don't know is america hungry for more indiana jones i guess we'll find out won't we well they're making another one yeah yeah my my thoughts on this series are interesting because i love the original trilogy i don't know how you feel about temple yeah. you do you do you dislike temple of doom no not at all okay good. not at all because i really like temple of doom even though it's the the worst of the three but yeah again it, they were having a marathon the other day and i, I rewatched that and i was like yeah Love this film. Can't stand Cape Capshaw, but I love this movie. I'll tell you what. I put it. I put it on maybe a month or two ago. Yep. Temple of Doom, and they got to that scene on, on the waterfall where they're mm. on the cliff, and yep. the green screen there was so cringe. Yeah, and there's a lot of that. There's less of that, in fact, in the original movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, the boulder sequence looks incredibly real, and because it's of a the, real boulder, right? That's precisely right. <laughs> but all I mean, all that stuff. There's really no. I actually rewatching it. Like the, the, the green, the mat. They're they're not like. They're like blue screen mats and right. shit. There's no like green screen on set, but uh, yeah, those those mat effects aren't uh, near. Uh, it's funny, yeah. Probably in Temple of Doom, it's the most obvious. Yeah, I actually didn't think it was that bad in Raiders. Yeah, yeah. maybe they were just too ambitious in the second one. There is one shot in um, uh, uh, Last Crusade where the 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 Nazi is falling in uh, on the tank. I'm like, there, maybe I should rewatch it. But last I remember, it didn't look great. Yeah, some of this is dated for sure. Uh, Technically You're talking about Some special effects though like, Yeah I am Whatever I, I don't am. care Um, But Of course It's Raiders of the Lost Ark And it's an American classic And It's got the One of the best scores Of all time And one of the great themes And one of the great heroes And Ten of the, the best scenes and like, Yeah like And A bunch of great lines too Yeah Why'd it have to be snakes Yeah <laughs> uh, When he Fucking shoots the guy Mm-hmm. When they when they do the duel, it's even the fight on the tarmac with the with the big guy, which became a very uh, widely adopted cliche. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. The sound of the whip, the idol scene. I mean, God, the bar scene too. That's one of the ones that stuck out to me in particular when I rewatched it, and just how uh, how dark that atmosphere feels when he comes in and you just see his silhouette projected onto the 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 back of the bar. Yeah, again, it just it has like it's like it's film school. Yeah, it's 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 so funny because it feels again the subject matter is that of like 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 a, a kids movie kinda, but it feels so mature. I don't know, like scenes like that at least for me just and it just gets nuts. Yeah, that's where I sort of divert with you on. Yeah. Oh my that. god, that scene is like where the guy gets shot in the head and blood just shoots out of. It. I'm like, whoa, holy! No, shit. there's intense stuff. I mean, it's the most intense stuff a ten year old will see at that age. But a 10-year-old is still watching the movie, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, so were pretty much all, so was pretty much all of America. Like, yeah. You can't, uh, ten, yeah. Look, the face melting disturbed me for years. Even like the hand, the burning of the hand where he gla- grabs the medallion, that yeah. shit. Like a lot of stuff like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is getting in, right? 
Yeah. There's no argument otherwise, right? I love I love the Road Warrior. And I love my dinner with Andre. Yeah. And I love Escape from New York. And I think all four have a solid case if Raiders of the Lost Ark were not one of the great American things. So Chariots of Fire, nice job. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations, Chariots of Fire. <laughs> I forgot to mention there's a moment in Chariots of Fire where they do um, they're at the opera with the girlfriend Mm -hmm. and they're singing a song that's always played in Curb Your Enthusiasm and I just I couldn't stop imagining Larry David just walking around like a hospital <laughs> as this music was playing. Would you have liked the movie if Larry David showed up? Oh, absolutely. Would have livened it up a bit. Jesus. Uh, By the way, we did not actually induct Chariots of Fire. We inducted Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In was case, that not clear? In case we confused our audience. Yeah, that would have been really weird. Would have been a weird uh, heel turn there. <laughs> well, again, we we were we were thinking about committing to a wrong podcast, weren't we? Every oh, we de- were. Yeah. Every decision is just wrong. April Fool's Day, we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll nominate the six worst movies of a particular year. <laughs> but we have to talk about them as if they're great. This is actually a great idea. We should I would, do that. No, I would love to do. Can we? Let's see if we could actually pull off nominating a bunch of shit films and talking about them as if they're like great. Because that's actually an interesting like deconstruction of like art examination. And quality and merit. Because if we can do it... Let's talk about it, yeah. If we can do it effectively, it actually says something interesting. Oh, it certainly says something about film criticism. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And how bullshit it is. Yep. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. April Fool's. Okay. Uh, We're doing the year 1993 next week. Yes, we are. So, let's draft away. Uh, (sighs) It's a stacked year, by the way. Yes, very much so. 1993. So, um... Let's do six. Let's let's stick to the plan. Right. We said we were going to do five, but there are too many good movies that come out every year. We actually moved it along fairly briskly today. Yeah, I, th- I thought so too. We're under an hour and a half. So good, 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 good. As long as we keep it under an hour and a half, I think people will keep their attention. There aren't a lot of people subscribed to this one? People, oh yeah, people like this one. People listen. Good. People listen. Good. I'm happy that you people listen. Um, I'll go first and nominate Schindler's, and I guess I'll just do Jurassic Park. Oh great, more Spielberg <laughs> yeah, talk. Yeah. Um, True Romance Give it to me Okay cool cool Uh, True Romance Mrs. Doubtfire Really? Yeah Look I'm always down For Mrs. Doubtfire Conversation You know that Yeah of course What did I make I feel like we're missing a few Did I make it difficult for you? Well Well no it's not difficult I'm gonna nominate Groundhog Day Mm-hmm. And you can do what you want, but it seems like there are like three or four left that <laughs> should really be in there over Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm, what, like Dazed and Confused? I don't, I don't want to nominate Dazed and Confused. Really, you don't? I like Dazed and Confused a lot, but it, I don't know. I mean, it just weird. It it feels weird that Dazed and Confused and The Fugitive wouldn't be on here. <laughs> do you not want to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire? Do you want? To I want... adore it. I watched Mrs. Doubtfire two days ago. Oh, Leprechaun. Okay, <laughs> Leprechaun. There we go. <laughs> Have you done it enough? Have you taught... What's he, even what's eating Gilbert Grape in a way? I really like that movie. Uh, Don't do Mrs. Doubtfire, please. Uh, Don't do it. Why not? Why not? Why not? It's a good... It's just going to be us quoting the movie. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. 
It was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> was it an angry member of the kitchen staff? Did you not tip him? You'll be quoting the movie. <laughs> oh, Winston, it was the drink that killed him. <laughs> oh, he was an alcoholic. No, he got run over by a Guinness truck. <laughs> Fucking love that movie. Match make a match make a make me a match. Will you be upset, though, if it's not? Oh, it was such a shunder. <laughs> <laughs> Should have never bought Lux from a moil. It's so chewy. That movie's so good. It's so good. I don't think I have the strength, but I have some plaster. <laughs> How about Joan Collins? I don't think I have the strength. You would be so sad if it wasn't on, though, wouldn't you? Mrs. Selner! <laughs> oh, you want some tea and your sugar? You got a little cappuccino. You know, I, maybe I will nominate Dazed and Confused because it could be a more interesting conversation because I'm not, I, I like the movie a okay. lot, but I don't like, like maybe love it as much as do you do. Do you want more Mrs. Doubtfire quotes? No, nah, I guess not. <laughs> so that's Mrs. Doubtfire. We've just talked about it. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I adore that movie. <laughs> Me too. Though, you know? that's the, all right. The Fugitive. Okay, good. That, that seems right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That seems like the six. All right. Uh, Jurassic Park, Groundhog Day, Schindler's List, The Fugitive. True Romance and Dazed and Confused. Solid. Yes, very good. Solid. Uh, I, I, You know, I haven't seen Falling Down a lot. Of you know, people, I almost thought about that. I haven't seen it either. A lot of people really, really love it. Is that Joel Schumacher directs? Uh, did he? Why did I want to... I think that's Schumacher. Why did I want to think it was... Oh, okay, okay, it is Schumacher. You're right, you're right, you're right. Something about it made me think it was fucking Cronenberg. I don't know why I thought that. Those two are actually pretty close in my head. I understand really? where you come up. Yeah. Hmm. They're both kind of like cartoonish genre directors. How many Cronenberg films have you seen? Uh, have you seen the Well, fall? I saw French Connection, right? He did French Connection? Or is, I'm Cron- thinking Cronenberg, right? Not the French Connection. Oh, that's Freakin'. That's Freakin', yeah. Uh, so what seen- Cronenberg have I seen? I've seen The Fly. Okay. That's Cronenberg, right? Yeah. And what seen- else? Seen History of Violence? No. Scanners? No. Videodrome? No. Naked Lunch? No. Okay. The first. Why are Freakin and Cronenberg in my head together now? <laughs> I don't know. Freakin the... has the the Exorcist and French Connection, right? They do play with their theme similarly, though. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Yeah, they have a similar visual palette. Okay. Uh, nineteen ninety three coming next week. It's a good year. And then after that, we actually have a fun surprise planned for everyone. Yeah, guys. Can't wait for that pod. Right. Who knows? Maybe this will be the one that tortures me. I don't know. It's certainly gonna, Oh, yeah, maybe. You know, maybe I just fucking hate what what goes on for this one. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, go to the website, tmt.media, too many thoughts, media.com. Why is this a thing? Fantasy Book of the Month, Nico Show, Two Cents Radio, Cultured. They're all there mm-hmm. for your listening pleasure. And please, enjoy that pleasure. Go ahead. Enjoy our pleasure. Mm, please don't <laughs> enjoy our pleasure. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah, it's unsanitary is what it is. (laughs) And we'll be back next week talking more movies as we always do on this podcast. Until then, Animal. Nico. What? Can I have a piece of toast? (laughs) 